What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. I think when the Prime Minister paused the carbon tax on heating oil, remember to save votes in Atlantic Canada, I really don't think they gave a lot of thought to the fallout. You know, like what would happen if they did that? Because, of course, right after that happened, we saw the provinces say, well, hold on a second. We, we want a pause on heating oil. And they could not have been surprised about this because we saw the, the, the backlash right away. You know, First Nations said, well, what the heck? We also want an exemption, too. And so Ontario First Nations leaders are asking Trudeau for an exemption, arguing that this policy is grossly unfair and discriminatory, certainly to 130 First Nations across the province. In fact, they've gone far enough to file for a judicial review with Attawapiskat First Nation and a number of other First Nations because they say it is leaving their communities worse off, breaching the principles of reconciliation. Abram Benedict is Grand Chief for the Mohawk Council of Aquasasni, a Odenosani community located on the Canada-U.S. border. Chief, I very much appreciate your time coming on here. Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity. I can't say I'm surprised to see this launch, but maybe you can explain uh, to the listeners as to why it's necessary. Absolutely. Well, we know that the Greenhouse Gas and Pollution Pricing Act was put in a couple years ago. in that it had, you know, some requirements for the provinces to take some certain actions. And if not, then there would be a carbon uh, charge placed on users. And uh, so that has happened uh, to our communities in Ontario, 133 communities that exist. And so since that time, uh, we have been uh, lobbying, um, getting trying to get meetings with the, with the minister uh, to come up with some sort of regime or a system that would acknowledge the, the challenges that our communities face in Ontario, as far as access goes, as far as the costs, uh, and um, unfortunately, it hasn't yielded any, any anything tangible. And we are at the point where you know, our last resort is to hit the court. Yeah, it's just crazy. I don't know how they didn't think that remote communities, you know, certainly can't you know just get heat, can't get access to things as easily as let's say downtown Toronto or downtown you know Montreal. But what has the impact on a on a financial? Um, level bin. Are you are you able to kind of con- contextualize how how much of an impact that this has had on you know the financial situation for those living in these communities? Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's varying. You know, I mean, some are more than others. Uh, community members who with that support, or excuse me, that um, heat their homes with fuel oil definitely are feeling that rate directly. Communities that are um, diesel powered generation systems. This is a mass. Uh, impact of the community as a whole. Well, it's not uh, directly to the home, but it also takes you know it takes away from community programming that's available, and that may be uh, you know the program that the uh, the council could uh, deliver. So the problem is also is that the rebates and the subsidies that are available for all Canadians uh, across the coast to coast, um, many communities and uh, First Nation communities don't have access to that. You know, and because of their remote locations, because they don't they're non-taxable, therefore they may not file income tax. Um, access to switching from fuel oil to a uh, cleaner fuel is, you know, in some communities won't be for the next several decades. And so yeah. those rebates that were designed for all Canadians don't work for our First Nation communities. Were these concerns, and I have to think that they were raised during the time that these uh, plans were implemented, um, that there would be a, a cost unfairly to some communities, were they addressed? 
No, no, unfortunately not. I mean, we. I want to make it clear as well, though. I mean, we support uh, climate action. We want to make sure, sure that, you know, there is a strategy in place. A number of our communities, you know, in the north mm-hmm. and, and as well as in here in the south with flooding um, are facing the impacts of climate change. So we want the government to do the responsible thing, but not at the, at the financial cost to our communities. So here we go. It's going to take another court filing uh, to, to get action. I suspect, you know, it will be ruled in your favor, but it takes a long time, right? That's a couple of years. Unless it's an emergency injunction, maybe they can rule on it. But it is your communities that are having to force the hand. And so you haven't heard anything yet. I suspect you will. It's quite possible. I mean, this has really been the last resort. I mean, we've been always open to negotiations, defining a regime. Uh, that's going to, you know, adequately, fairly uh, address the issues that we face in community. Uh, but also, most recently, in which you referenced in, our, in your introduction, mm-hmm. was that we've seen the government uh, take a whole regional area and exempt them for a period of time. Yeah. Right? And so prior to that, we were asking for a regime, and then we see that happen, and then we say, wait a minute, if they can exempt, you know, an area of Canada, why can they not exempt First Nation communities in Ontario? Right, because I think a lot of people would have just assumed that would happen, because... As the argument's been made, that, that this breaches the principles of reconciliation. So if, if this government doesn't come to the table and, and their hand has to be forced, um, what does this do to reconciliation? Well, it definitely is a difficult pill to swallow. I mean, we're in an era of you know, important relationship. The, the, that UNDRIP legislation has been passed, you know, reconciliation, and then having to, uh, you know, go to court to bat for our families uh, on the ground who are being, you know, financially disadvantaged because, one, they don't file taxes, one, that they, you know, they are in uh, remote locations that they can't get cleaner fuel or energy sources. Uh, this is discriminatory to our communities. Well, we're going to have to stay tuned on this one, but certainly um, this is yet another chapter. I really appreciate you joining uh, and certainly um, bringing us up to speed on this. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. That is Grand Chief uh, Abram Benedict joining us, and he is one of the many chiefs of this province that are now having to go to the courts to say, we need some fairness here. I, I just It's so hard for me to figure out what this government was thinking would happen if they gave a portion of the country a break. Like, did they not think in that room, well, what would this mean for smaller communities across other portions of the country that are in the same position and also get cold? Or what would this do to indigenous communities, right? It's hard to, it's hard to kind of figure out where their crisis management team was because they've made a real mess of this and it's not going to go away. So we'll have to kind of follow the ball, but the latest certainly is that there is you know, a judicial review underway. They've filed for a judicial review and it'll go through the courts.